0: Hi I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in person service every Sunday morning at ten thirty. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at six o'clock and there's food there so now let's see what the pastor has to say and the the hope that He places in our hearts, and the life that is ours, and what it means to be here, uh, because we join together as the family, a family of God, in our relationship with Him personally through His one and only Son. To have that kind of relationship is essential. God knows what relationships are all about. Uh, in Genesis, it says it's not good for a man to be alone. And you know, I did just fine the last two weeks while Karen was gone. And y'all will tell Karen how well I did. I see you're shaking that head out there. (laughs) I did just fine. It was kind of like everything's normal, everything's going. Y'all know better than that. It is not good for a man to be alone. And God reminded me of that. Uh, But I think what we see in our relationships with one another, more importantly, is what it means for us to be his children. What it means for us to be a part of the body of Christ. What it means for us to recognize that we are called as servants to serve Him. And in serving Him, we serve one another. That's the message of what it means to be that believer that Christ has called us to be that we see lived out in the sixth chapter of the book of Acts. If you have your Bibles, open up to the sixth chapter of the book of Acts, and we'll get to it in just a minute. But I want you to remember this first. I want you to know that the word slave is the Greek word duos. And you know what it means? It means to be bound to someone. Uh, I have a, I, I started to bring it, but I, I was going to have to dig it out in the garage and I wasn't sure I could find it. I have a, 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 the image of my grandparent Fulkerson's a wedding certificate. Uh, and it's getting faded, and it's not what it used to be, but the message behind that is seen in the border. And around their names and around the message of that time when they were married back again in about 19, 1908, and their relationship with one another, there are, there's a chain that goes around that. The world today would look at that, young couples would probably look at that and say, well, I guess that's what it's like for most people who are chained together for the rest of their lives or at least for the next six years or four years or whatever it is, uh, that we don't want to be bound. But the message behind that message that I see my grandparents sharing with me is of what that bond was together in Christ in them. And that's the hope that is ours uh, almost 50 years ago when Karen and I were brought together by Bob Wiley. He was our pastor at the time. Uh, Bob was the one that did the ceremony for us. And the two of us became one. Do you understand that? A man shall leave his father and mother and basically become one with his wife. God seeks to have us understand what that relationship is all about. And the thing that we have to do first is to remember that we are his servants first. And now there's a picture that I have. If it means for us all to be slaves and bound to Jesus, what does that mean? Can't you see us? One person bound to Jesus here, one person bound to Jesus here, another person here, another person here. And what does that mean in our relationship with one another? That we can't get away from one another because we are all bound together in Him. And that's what I've shared with couples over the years in our relationship, in my relationship with Karen, the times that I find myself struggling in difficulties and trials in my relationship with Karen are times that I've been further away from the Lord. Because the closer I am to Him, the closer we are together. God calls us as the body of Christ to recognize what that means and to see that fulfilled. And God tells us in the book of Genesis, it is not good for a man to be alone. It is not good for a woman to be alone. God intended for us to be together. And that's why it's exciting to see each of you who are here today. Every one of us is here for a reason. Every one of us is here for a purpose, and that purpose is to give glory to God, to thank him for his presence in our lives, and to recognize what it means to be the body of Christ, active in serving him in everything we say and do. That's what the church in Jerusalem was working to do. The church in Jerusalem was working to fulfill that responsibility. But unfortunately, what happens is the same thing we see throughout the book of Acts, actually throughout God's word. We see that there are problems that come in the life of the family. There are problems that come in our relationships with one another. And so the first thing thing that we're prone to want to do is to cut and run. That's one of the reasons I think my grandparents' wedding certificate has chains and not strings. That that bond that is ours is a reminder of what it means for us to stay and stick with one another. To be there for one another. To show and demonstrate that. Jesus tells the disciples this is back in Matthew in the 20th chapter of Matthew's gospel a message of what it means for us to understand the difficulties that we face in Matthew 20 verse 25 Jesus said you know the rulers of the gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them do you understand the principle behind what those words say those words tell us about what the world's attitude about what it means to have a relationship with someone is all about and Jesus says this is not it. You know why? Because in any relationship that is not out, is outside the bounds of what that relationship with Christ is to be in our lives what excuse me in my life what I find is it's about winners and losers. If I want to be in charge, if I want to have things my way, I am the winner. What happens to the other person in that relationship? They are, come on, say it. You know it. You don't want to say the word loser, but that's it. They're the losers. In our relationship with Jesus Christ, there are no losers. There are no individuals who are left out. There are no people that Jesus hasn't given his life for. There's no people that Jesus hasn't demonstrated his love for. He goes on to say, look at verse 26, He gives us the other side of that. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. You know what it means to be a servant. To be a servant means that in your life and mine, what we do is we yield our lives, our hearts to someone completely. And that in giving our lives and hearts to that person, that we understand what it means to love them because they've given something back to us. We thank God for what that relationship's about. We thank God for what it means for us to know that that we are one in our relationship first and foremost with Jesus Christ. But what happens in that sixth chapter of Acts is you see the difficulties that come. You see the problems that come in people's lives when they begin to put their needs above the needs of those around them. That happens in every relationship that we have. If you find that you are the end all, be all for any relationship, if you are the one that is always on the receiving end and never on the giving end, it may be that you need to stop and reevaluate your relationship. Because what does Jesus say? He tells us that in Matthew 20. He says, This is what you're to be about. You're to be about demonstrating that kind of love that yields itself completely. And how do we do that? Now, I know y'all are getting tired of hearing this, but remember how Jesus called each of the disciples? If you don't, you can go back and look in Mark 19 and see what happens. He sees, he sees Andrew and he sees Peter. What's he do? He calls them to come and follow him and I'll make you fishers of men. And then right after that, what does he do? He sees James and John. And in seeing them, he calls them. And what? immediately they leave their father Zebedee and they follow him. There are choices that we make in relationships. There's a choice that you need to make this morning if you've never made it. And that is to listen to the call of Jesus as he calls each of us To follow him and when we follow him we become his disciples we become his servants when we yield our hearts to him completely and it's necessary for us to have that change of heart because of what he's done for us because we cannot do it on our own we can't try hard enough we can't give enough we can't do enough to placate God But what we can do is we can say, yes, Father, I understand the gift that you've given me through your one and only Son. And I yield my life, my heart, my all to Him. And all of a sudden, I would ask you how many of you in this room have had a heart transplant? There may be some that have had some. In years past, I've had people I knew had heart transplants. But I'm here to tell you this morning, if you've not trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, If you've never taken that heart of yours that he's given you and said, here is my heart, I give it to you. I trust you. I yield my life, my heart, my soul, my all. That's a song, isn't it? Does that sound familiar? We do that because that's what Christ demands of us. That's what Christ requires of us. And in doing that, something miraculous changes. Our hearts don't belong to us anymore. They belong to him. I could, we could, Robert was here, I'd have him sing the song. Now I belong to Jesus, Jesus belongs to me. How long does that last? (laughs) It lasts for all eternity because of the relationship we have with him. And so what happens to the church now? We see the struggles that they face as they begin to have problems in the church. Remember what's happening? Uh, We've talked about, again, uh, all the stuff that precedes the sixth chapter of Acts, We see that they're growing by leaps and bounds. We see that there's a mighty push, a mighty joy that's in the church, and people are coming to know 3,000 at a time. What would you do if 3,000 people came forward this morning? Number one, we'd have to go out into the streets and the byways and bring some people in here to fill it. But do you think we could get 3,000 people in this room today? I guarantee you we could. Now, the fire marshal might have an issue with that, but we could do it. We could do it and we could give praise to God because of the fact that he is the one that is doing the drawing. Jesus is the one that's calling. And that's the thing we see is he calls Levi, who became Matthew, to leave his tax booth. He calls us to leave our old life behind. And now what's happening is the church in Jerusalem has a speed bump that they're about to hit. Things have been going great. Things have been going fantastic. But now there's a problem. And the problem is, is what people's minds and people's lives, they begin to look and place value on one thing and devaluing something else. Christ calls us to recognize what it means to give our all to him completely and yield our lives. Listen to me as we, or share with me, if you have your Bibles open to, again, to Acts chapter 4. And we'll see what God's word says to us about what went on, about what that call is all about. In those days when the number, this is Acts 6:1, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order for us to wait tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the Word. This proposal uh, pleased the whole group, and they chose Stephen, Stephen <clears throat> excuse me, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, and a convert to Judaism. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem was increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. What happens is when there's a problem in our lives, when there's a situation in your life, in a relationship, I want you to tell me how good, because I've tried this, how good does it work for you to ignore that difficulty? To say, you know what, I'm not going to say anything, I'm not going to do anything about that, I'm just going to let it go. I'm here to tell you this morning that most of us in this room know the results of what it means to ignore a problem that we're seeing. That we ignore the call that God has given us that we ignore what God would lay on our hearts and we focus on that problem or that situation that is facing us. Christ calls each of us to listen to him, even as Elijah did. You know that story, isn't that a great story in 1 Kings? Elijah gets the message that God has for him. He does what God does, tells him to do in, ba- in his battle with the, the, the uh, prophets of Baal, And we see the results of what happens. Elijah wins the day. All the prophets of Baal are slain. And then what happens? Everything is going fine. Elijah is in a great shape. And then one, I was about to say one woman, one one person comes to him and says, the same thing that you've done to these guys is going to happen to you before the end of the day. It may be you're here today and in your life, you're struggling with what to do at the end of the day. And you're not real sure and you're afraid. And the first thing that we want to do is that we want to run away from the situation, the circumstances that we're facing. We want to avoid those. We don't want to say anything about them. We don't want to do anything about them. We just want to hope that after we wake up, everything is going to be just fine. I found that doesn't work. It doesn't work in my life. The problem is still there. And there is only one way to deal with a problem, and that is to face it head-on, knowing that we have a Lord who is with us and beside us through all of those situations and all those circumstances. And to trust his relationship. And how do we know we have that message? It's pretty simple. Elijah figured it out, didn't he? What was the first thing that happened as he's standing in that cave? God says, I'm going to come by. I'm going to show you. I want you to be aware of my presence in your life. And the first thing we see is the roaring wind that comes through on that mountain. And what's it do? It tears the mountain apart. It tears the mountain apart. And Elijah figures something out pretty quickly. And all the activities that go on around us, all those things that seem to be bombastic, all those things that seem to be so important to us, We don't hear God's call there. We don't hear about what that relationship is all about. And then what happens? There's an earthquake, and the very foundation of Elijah's understanding of who he is and what he is is shaken at the root. Karen was working at her father's motel in downtown Evansville in the early 70s. Is that right? Probably 60s, yeah, yeah. And some of you were around then. I know most of you weren't, all right. Uh, but she was uh, waiting tables. And all of a sudden, the I don't know if any of you ever went to the lamplighter restaurant, but they had beads that hang, hung down to separate the swimming pool from the, from the, from the restaurant uh, on the inside windows. And Karen said those beads began to go sway back and forth. And then Karen said she could feel her feet underneath her shaking. And so the first thing she could do, because she was counting her change that she'd gotten, and that's how you used to get your tips, right, and change. And Karen said the first thing that she did was to throw all the money in the air and run out of the building. The message behind what goes on with Elijah is pretty simple. And the things that would shake our foundations, God's message was not found there. And then if that were not enough, you know the rest of the story. What happens is God sent a fire that burns and consumes all those things that we think are so important and so essential in our lives and destroys them utterly. And God wasn't in there. What is it that Elijah found? What was it that the disciples found in Jerusalem? I think the same thing that every one of us in this room who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ understands it was one word, one message. For me, it was Bob, Bob. We have several Bobs here today, but we all know our name when somebody we love and somebody that loves us calls us. We recognize that. We recognize that voice, and in recognizing that voice, the church recognizes the problems that they have. Do you see what happens? Did you hear what happens with the apostles? The apostles understand that there's a problem that's going on in the church. There's a problem in that relationship that somebody has with somebody that cannot be ignored. I would tell you what I think it is, is that you've got Greek-speaking Hebrews, okay, and that you've got Hebrew-speaking Hebrews that are there. And they're two different groups of people. They don't dress the same, they don't talk the same, they don't look the same. They worship the same God, but they're missing the message that in Christ they are one. If you're here this morning and you're having marital problems, and you're having difficulty in your relationship with your spouse, stop and think about who shared that person with you, who gave you that opportunity to have that relationship with that person. You think about what God has done and called you to and that personal relationship that you have with one another that has bound you together in him. If you have children who are disobedient and go a different direction, that happens sometimes in our lives, and we wonder what to do and where to go and how to deal with those difficulties. How do we do that? Karen and I worked for almost nine years at a children's home And I can tell you what the world's answer to that was. Let somebody else do it. You know what? It's not my fault. It's society's fault. Society is the one that has made my child the way he or she is. Or or there's another answer that they come up with. You know what? It's the school's fault. It's the teacher's fault. In our world, we look for people to blame. I think those Hebraic Jews and those those greek jews were looking for someone to blame there has to be a reason for what's going on and it has to be someone's fault god gave the apostles the clarity of mind and that clarity of heart to remember what jesus told them not so with you not so with you you don't have winners and losers in this relationship You don't deal with those problems that that the world deals with the way the world deals with them. You recognize what it means to love somebody. And those kids at the children's home, the easy thing for them was their parents simply to drop them off and leave them until they got made right. God gives us that gift of children for a reason. And how many of us in this room have given up on our children? have forgotten them. I don't mean we don't go to see them. I don't mean we don't go to call them. But in that faith that we shared with them, that relationship, have we forgotten to remind them of that hope that we've shared with them, maybe sometimes in years past, to remind them of the blessing that they have been to us, for they are that. God's Word tells us that. They're a blessing He shares with us. And that we love them and care for them and remind them of that relationship. Mom's day is coming up, but it ought to be every day is that. When we think as children and parents, what it means for us to show and demonstrate our love. I think about all the mistakes that I made as a father. I won't even begin to tell you how many mistakes I made. You know what I did? This has been years ago. I talked to our kids and I said, you know what, individually, I said, I need to ask your forgiveness for all the times I messed up. And I did mess up. I thought I was doing what I should be doing, but you know what? What I was doing was not what you'd have me do, what God would have me do. I did what I thought I did because I loved you. And sometimes the love I shared was not the love that they needed to see. It needed to be demonstrated in everything. Patience, there you go. That's the fruits of the Spirit, isn't it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering. We need to demonstrate those things in our relationship with one another. The church is struggling with this issue. And so what is it they do? What direction do they go? I have an answer for you. The first thing they do is they go to find somebody outside the group who has, somebody outside the group who is an expert in this area. He's written six books on what it means to have relationships with one another. He knows everything. He teaches all over the world. He is an expert on relationships. What did God tell these people? What did God tell the church? He said, choose those from among you. This church has done that. And we have countless individuals who have been called out of God and by God to serve God. And in serving Him, we have that blessing of serving one another and we look at those who have been called out the deacons the ministers that are a part of this church family that God has given us the opportunity and the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and then all our Sunday school teachers those men and women who are faithfully sharing the message of God's love with those they teach what a blessing it is to hear that word the word of God coming from them because they know it and they want to share it with others. And that's what uh, Justin was talking about even this morning. And Nick has talked about it and Ron has talked about it. That's what that board is out there for. Uh, it's, not a score, it's not a scoreboard. It's a reminder to us of how it's not, the, it's not the hearts that tell something about us. It's all the empty space that's there that tells us what we're called to do what was the responsibility of the apostles did you see that to understand god's word and proclaim it basically to proclaim the good news of jesus and to tell men and women and boys and girls about what it means to know jesus christ as lord and savior is that to the neglect of those that are not called deacons there in Acts six is that the is that what they're to do We are all called to share that hope that is ours. We're all called to share that faith that is ours, that the world would see in us the love of Jesus Christ lived out every day of our lives. God has called men in our church to be deacons. God has called pastors in our church to be deacons. God has called women in our church to be Sunday school teachers. God has called men in our church to be Sunday school teachers. God has called people to share musically the gifts that he shared with them. I thank God for the choir. What would it be if we didn't have any women in the choir and it was all men? I'm looking to see, Mark, what do you think of that? Where are you? I know you're out there. There you go. God shares something with us together that is greater than who we are. That is what happens. That's what happens, Sarah, every Thursday, isn't it? We see that demonstration of God's community coming together and sharing the good news of Jesus first and foremost. The food is secondary because people will always, what's Jesus say about that? The hungry will always be with you. The poor will always be there. Those people that have physical needs, we're going to always be there. But what's the message that we're to share? We are called to share the message of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. We are called to do that faithfully every day of our lives. That people would see in us and know that the truth resides within us. And that is the message of what it means to recognize what it means for us to be Christ's servants. That we serve Him with all our hearts. Our Sunday school lesson this morning was the the ending of the Shema, basically. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Deuteronomy 6. Chapter, or verse 4, how does it begin? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That is the message of who we are to be. We are to love God with everything we have and then recognize what it means for us to serve him. God is calling you, church, to be about servanthood To recognize what it means to yield, not to win, but to yield your life to Him. And in yielding your life to Him, to yield it to those who are around you. Particularly those people that don't know you. Don't know who you are because, because of where we are in our relationship with them. We have an opportunity to share that hope that we have in Jesus Christ with everyone that we see. And that we should demonstrate that in such a way that the world sees the evidence of it in our lives. Christ calls us because he loves us. He loved us so much that he gave his life for us. And in that relationship, he reminds us that that is what you and I are called to do with one another. To give our lives to him completely. Not to hold back, but to yield everything we have to him. And know that God calls us to serve him with everything we have and everything we are. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the love that you've demonstrated through your son Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. And I thank you, Father, for the message that is demonstrated uh, in that sixth chapter of Acts. It's a recognition of humanity and who we are, Father. We, don't, we, don't, we make bad decisions sometimes. And sometimes, Father, we just mess up and we do things that we know we shouldn't do and there's things that we should be doing that we don't do. Father, help us to recognize in our relationship with you first and foremost that we are called to love you first with everything we are and everything we have. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.